I think about this as politics are the mechanism through which policy is born and shaped. And we need public health at the table for all decisions that are being made. We need the public health presence there. Ditto. (laughs) Ditto, ditto to all that. (laughs) Hello and welcome to Wooden Teeth, the podcast about truth telling on politics and health. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Today's truth. It's time for public health practitioners and advocates to double down on public policy engagement. You know, actually, that's so true that somebody should make a whole podcast series about it and then give it a funky name that nobody understands. But let me tell you about two people who certainly do understand this urgency, Dr. Keisha Pollock-Porter and Katrina Forrest. Keisha is the Bloomberg Centennial Chair and Professor within the Department of Health Policy and Management at Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health, and Katrina is Co-Executive Director of City Health. They, along with Dr. Shelley Hearn, wrote a book titled Policy Engagement, which is intended as a field guide for public health practitioners, from government workers to nonprofit leaders, on engaging with policymakers to create a healthier, more equitable world. We're going to talk about the book with Keisha and Katrina and place the book within the political moment we're experiencing right now. So get ready. Here's my conversation with Dr. Keisha Pollock-Porter and Katrina Forrest. Keisha Pollock-Porter and Katrina Forrest, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having us today. Let's jump right in. I kind of want to set the stage for this first question uh, because I want to talk about the political environment in which public health advocacy is taking place. The pandemic has eroded trust and placed a sharper political lens on the field of public health. For example, in 2017, 66% of Americans said the CDC was doing a good or excellent job. And five years later, post-pandemic, 2022, only 41% say the same. Also, in a poll fielded this year, only about a third of respondents said that they had confidence in their local or state public health departments. If you dig further into either of these data sets, you'll see a distinct partisan split with Republicans far more pessimistic about public health agencies than Democrats. Long windup. Here's the question. How do you think these political dynamics impact how public health advocates should engage on public policy. Let's start with Keisha. Well, I appreciate this question, and I think it's critical. You know, I have some colleagues who say things like, I don't do politics. I think we have to be aware of what's happening in the political climate, right? We think about public policy, we think about the role of politicians and elected officials, and certainly some of that's partisan, as you just noted by those statistics. As advocates, as public health professionals, I think it's critical, one, to be aware of of the discourse of what people are saying, um, because we have to then respond accordingly. And I think that awareness is, is critical. The second thing I'll say is I think these statistics demonstrate why it's so important that public health advocates engage on policy, right? We know that there is, again, this partisanship. People feel really strongly about the CDC public health, especially coming out of COVID. And we need to be part of the conversations that are happening. I think it's more harmful if we're not part of the process. I've been a part of so many uh, focus groups, polling, discussions with colleagues about Uh, what is public health and how do we describe it? And 
how do we make it so that more people understand what it is? And Katrina, I'm wondering, do you think that the pandemic helped or hurt the public's understanding of what the function of public health is in this country? Super appreciate this question. Uh, before we move on quickly, I do want to go back to some of what Keisha was talking about in that first question, because my hope is that this moment, the moment that we're in, the political landscape that we're in, my hope is that it creates a sense of urgency that compels action. I think public health for too long has kind of stood on the sidelines, and I hope that people say enough is enough. We've got to engage. And to Keisha's point, so much about shaping systems and policies is critical to improving people's health. And influencing health outcomes really requires a deep understanding of the inner workings of policymaking. So I hope that through this book and other resources, people are energized and they're like, the moment is too important to let it pass us by. It requires us to take affirmative action. On your question about whether or not the pandemic has helped or hurt the public's understanding um, of public health. Um, so from my vantage point, because you never want to think about pestilence as helping anything, but from my vantage point, I think the pandemic really highlighted longstanding inequities and it gave us all common language. I think it helped people to better connect the dots between health and housing, education and housing, transportation and um, transportation and health and all of these things. I think it underscored the myriad ways in which the conditions in which we live shape and influence our health and well-being. Um, so in that regard, I do think it helped. Last month, there was actually a poll that was commissioned by the de Beaumont Foundation um, and was put out by Morning Consult. It was a nationally representative poll that found that Americans are far more familiar with and supportive of their local health departments and their um, local health official. It was also interesting because for people that had familiarity, 70% had a favorable opinion of their local health departments and that support crossed party lines. And I think it's really important to state that. Um, and I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that. It put increased everyone's awareness and again, gave us that common language. From a practical standpoint, my organization, we worked very closely with elected leaders. And in 2016, very much at the infancy of City Health, we hosted a focus group with local elected leaders, really designed to understand where health fell in their prioritization of policies in their cities. Unsurprisingly, at that time, it was at the bottom. They were focused on economic development, they were focused on housing, they were focused on job creation, but health was, they weren't making that connection to health. That wasn't a through line. Two months ago, we went to the U.S. Conference of Mayors meeting, and it was a world of difference. So many elected leaders were talking so passionately um, and succinctly about the social determinants of health. They were using that language. They were using public health messages. So very long-winded answer, but I think ultimately, yes, it did put us in a better position of having shared language and really helping in terms of the sense-making and connecting the dots. Yeah. And maybe I can add, um, in addition, from a, from my vantage point as a, somebody who's at a school of public health, I think it absolutely helped. People came to public health in a way excited, excited for the possibilities of change and in a way I hadn't seen in a long time. Um, enrollments across the country for schools of public health increased. People 
were around dinner tables. I can think of my own family and people actually knew what public health was. They knew what epidemiology was in a way that I didn't have to explain it. Um, and I, I really resonate and, and echo what Katrina said about people got the pandemic helped people get the language and to talk about inequities, racism in a way that people really were not as openly, I found, um, talking about before the pandemic. So it sounds like people learned more about uh, public health and its implications during the pandemic. And I'm heartened to hear that even more people are enrolling in schools of public health. And we also know that uh, the public health workforce itself went through a lot during the pandemic, everything from long hours to um, threats of bodily harm and more. And now, you know, we've segued out of that, I'll say, emergency phase. And we're at this moment, which uh, you refer to as urgent, and I would agree. My question is, how would you rate the morale of the public health workforce right now? And how does that jive with this call to action to engage in public policy? How would I rate the morale? You know, I I I don't like to use this to say this, but I'm going to say it sort of depends, I think. Right. Like I have friends who are clinicians who are tired and exhausted. Some have left some left the their field um, because of the trauma, the loss that they were seeing, um, particularly before there were vaccines where people were were experiencing death so often. Right. Like I think the burnout from that, the trauma from that, the mental health impacts from that is real and has had lot lasting effects on people. For individuals who I engage with, with students, um, with people who are seeking to learn to change the world, I would say that there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of excitement for the possibility, despite all of the challenges we see in terms of policies that may be more oppressive, that may seeming to take, helping us take steps backwards. I see a lot of hope and vision and people are talking about what do we need to do to create a world where people can live well and thrive and where health equity is a possibility? And I lean into that hope, quite frankly. And I teach about that in my class. Um, I, I challenge policymakers when I'm with them to think about what are the types of policies that we need to be implementing, to adopting, to, to make the kind of change that can achieve the um that can improve health for for everybody that can address the social determinants of health. Um, so so I'll say that for some groups of the workforce, Jake, I think morale is is um, is is high and growing. And for some, we I think it's important to acknowledge that it's a hard time for for many individuals. Um, and how do we help to ensure that people um, are remaining in the workforce do want to continue to be here? Because the the last thing we need coming off of this or being in this long tail of the pandemic um, is to continue to lose people from the workforce. But I'm, I'm, I'm embracing the hope that I see for, for people who are out there continuing to do great work. Let's talk about this book. First of all, if I ever write a book, I want to do it with two other cool people like, like you all did. You know, it sounds like a great way to write a book, uh, but I've been flipping through it and I noticed the passage in here uh, that I wanted to ask you about. You write, too often public health professionals ask how we can depoliticize public health. However, this is not the question that needs answering. Instead, we need to become proficient at engaging in the political and policymaking process to ensure public health 
has a seat at the table from the beginning. What do you mean by that? I mean, Keisha spoke about this in the beginning, but one of the things that we talk about in the book is that policy is political. There is no depoliticizing public health. Public health needs the tools to engage in an inherently and increasingly political world. We don't need to, nor should we engage in some of the divisive partisanship that is existing, but we have to know how to navigate it. And it's our hope that this book provides some resources and tools and frameworks for how to navigate a political process. I think about this as politics are the mechanism through which policy is born and shaped. And we need public health at the table for all decisions that are being made. We need the public health presence there. Ditto. (laughs) Ditto, ditto to all that. (laughs) Ditto from here, too. Uh, I'm also wondering, you know, uh, when you're talking about public health students, or public health practitioners, what's the most common misunderstanding that you encounter uh, with them about influencing public policy? I can lift up two. One is that policy is not accessible. What do I mean by that? Meaning that, well, it's, you know, those elected officials, those politicians, I, I, I don't know how to reach them. They don't listen. Um, I, I, I can't engage with them. When that actually is, is far from the, the facts, and we lay that out in the book, that there are so many ways to engage with policymakers. So that's the first thing. The second thing that comes up often is particularly for, for, um, employees who work at health departments, they think that they're not allowed to engage, right? They say, I can't engage in the policy process. And we hear that a lot. I I think we've all heard that in our work. We talked about that as we were working on the book. And we we cite some research that even has has unpacked this a bit. Um, So I I would say those two things come up a lot. A third thing that I'll say, which isn't really about sort of a, a barrier, but it's people just don't know how to do this. They say, I want to engage in policy. I want to work in policy. I don't know what that means. So I think that that our book really helps to fill some of the gaps around those those areas that I just mentioned. And at the risk of um, giving too much away, I have to ask, you cover the five guiding principles of policy engagement in the book. Are you able to share um, even some of those, Katrina? Happy to. Um, And to clarify, I think we thought of these more as like grounding principles um, to really help manage expectations and hopefully reduce some of that overwhelm of like, how do I even start? How do I get engaged in this process? Um, So the first one is policy is messy. Policymaking is a messy process. There will be fits and starts. There's going to be a lot of players. You'll have some successes along the way. You might not ultimately reach your policy goal or objective. But what did you learn throughout that process? It's It can be very messy. Um, and we just want to be honest about that so that people can pace themselves, take their time and know sort of what to expect. Uh, one of the others is how you engage is personal. Um, Keisha just talked about, particularly in governmental public health, there is a sense of I can't do anything or the things that I can do I'm not really interested in. There are so many different different avenues to engage in policymaking, whether it's testifying at a hearing or going to work for an elected official or engaging in a budget process. All of those things are important and they matter. And how you show up and do it is up to you, but just show up and do something. That's really what we're trying to encourage folks to do. Um, Another one of the principles is that lobbying is not a dirty word. Um, I think this comes up particularly in governmental public health, because there's 
longstanding history and context for why folks in governmental public health didn't want to engage. Um, obviously, the restrictions and regulations are more strict, but it's it's an important tool. And I think people have a visceral reaction to lobbying and they think of it as, you know, um, people lacking integrity or, or whatever it might be. But it is a tool that is at our disposal and folks should use it. Um, I'm probably going to blank on the last two. So, Keisha, I don't know if you want to talk about the other principles. Let's see. Uh, align your message with your target audience. So when we engage in policy, it's thinking about what are what is our message that we want to convey and how does it align with the elected official who works in a transportation department or a housing department or wherever else it is, right? So making sure that our messages are clear and aligned with the intended audience. And then finally, policymaking takes a village. We don't have to be lone rangers when we engage with policy. There's a community of advocates, of public health professionals, of professionals who are in other fields that recognize the importance of their area for public health. And we can do this together. And as Katrina said, we just hope people are inspired to act and to get involved and to be engaged in the process after reading this book. And what's the vision here? Like when you look to the future, what do you want to see in terms of public health advocacy? What does it look like? I don't know, Katrina, if you have some thoughts here, I, I would maybe share one thing and maybe you and I can both contribute to our vision here. I mean, I would say one thing is for me, since I interact with students most of the time, that all of our students understand, one, the importance of policy for addressing some of the most pressing challenges in the world. And two, they understand how to engage as advocates and the important role of policy advocacy in making the change that they want to see in the world. I think related to that, I would love to see every school of public health have a curriculum around advocacy so that we are yes. training the next generation yeah, of know exactly what to do and how to engage. For folks that are in health departments, I would love to see them build strategic partnerships with government relations firms or others um, where they might not be able to be out in front. They have that cover of having someone representing their interests. And so I'd love to see more of that. Like I said, public health needs to be at every table where decision-making is happening and we've got to create the spaces uh, to allow for that. So, Well, I love the book. I love what you're doing. And if you do start including an advocacy curriculum in uh, your school of public health, please invite me to come chat with your students. I love doing that. It sounds like a great time. Well, you know, Shelley started the first ever public health advocacy course in the country at Bloomberg, and uh, there's more courses. So she's she's leading it. She's giving a talk at, a, at the public health conference coming up uh, um, about this. Yeah, she's doing a webinar about this. Shelley, Shelley, I'm still, if you're listening, I'm still waiting for the invite, but I'll keep waiting. <laughs> We will right. let her know to reach out. And uh, I think uh, the students would love to chat with you. Keisha Pollock-Porter and Katrina Forrest, thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you so much. You can get this book, Policy Engagement, at the APHA online store. If you just Google Policy Engagement APHA Press, you'll find it. You can also find it on Amazon. Thanks to Keisha Pollock-Porter and Katrina Forrest. And thanks to you for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate and subscribe. It helps us a ton. See you next time.